Welcome to Entertaining a Conversation, the podcast where we always entertain conversations about things that are entertaining. I am your host, Mr. Sir. And guys, um, situation uh, hasn't improved much since last week. I don't think any of us uh, can, can say that convincingly. We've made any progress since last week. I, I feel like if anything, we've regressed. So, um, you know. Went out and uh, bought myself a nice little bottle of Grey Goose and made myself another drink because, guys, these are some hard times. Some hard times. We're living in hard times, my friends. Box offices are... (laughs) Box offices. The box office has reached zero for the first time ever. Or at least in a while. Movies aren't coming out. Movies are being delayed. I'm not going to get into those news. Because you know what? Guys, the reality of it is. Movies are going to be delayed for a little bit. And by a little bit, I mean. Don't expect the movie that you were hoping for this year. To be released this year. I don't think it's going to happen. I think uh, I think we need to I need to make uh, I, th- I think we need to make a cross on this year and I think we need to move forward and think about you know I guess November December of this year or uh, perhaps whatever's gonna happen in 2021 I think we need to uh, I think we need to cancel 2020 altogether and that includes movies uh, so um, I uh, I am out of resources. My sponsors are still not paying me because, uh, well, they ain't working. So uh, it's hard for them to pay me when they ain't working. And um, I'm not uh, therefore you know since my since my sponsors aren't giving me my millions of dollars, I am unable to pay my technicians, my uh, studio my human throne composed of two men that you know they charge a lot but you know thanks to my thanks to my sponsors i uh, i'm usually able to afford it they're not here they also caught the coronavirus so shit ain't happening for them not this week um probably not next week either spoiler alert so i'm out of resources yet again i'm not uh I'm not getting paid, therefore I cannot afford everything that, you know, I can't afford the band that um, that makes like these n- nice little neat jazz outros and uh, and who and, and and behind their uh, you know the back the, the music track behind the ads uh, for my generous sponsors. Well, the band isn't here, guys. The band is home. They're they're self isolating. They're not. Uh, they're not taking any chances and uh, you know $200 million every week is hard to come by these days so uh, fuck them they're home no music no editing no studio nothing it's just me and uh, hey guess what guys I made an improvement this week Uh, I decided to sit on my bed to record this podcast instead of sitting on this you know crackling chair that always annoys the shit out of you and me I'm sitting on a mattress, therefore uh, I'm not gonna make any noise this week. I mean, I'm gonna make a lot of noise because, you know, I gotta talk. But I'm not gonna make any noise with my. Uh, the, that's not gonna happen. 
because the chair is not in my room and I'm not recording it sitting on a chair. I'm not recording this podcast sitting on my chair. So I'm, uh, we're safe. We're good. Sidebar. Uh, yes. So, so I think we need to make a cross on 2020. I think we need to, uh, forget about it altogether. Uh, you know, as a result of that, I think it's, I think it's very natural for all of us to, um, just assume 2020 is not going to be a good year for movies. Uh, and that's not the movie industry's fault. You know, it's natural circumstances, but, um, I, I, I think, I think 2020, I mean, we've got, we, we got some good movies at the beginning of the year, but is it good enough to justify 2020? Like, come on, we're, we're missing out on a lot of potential classics. Um, I, I'm sure Netflix are going to go ahead and, 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 you know, release on schedule, uh, Mank is supposed to come out on Netflix and Mank is David Fincher's next movie. So I, I think we're still getting, I think we're still getting that, but whatever is supposed to come out in theaters, um, is probably not going to. And therefore, uh, 2020 is going to the shitter. Um, that brings me to, I want to talk about, um, since I, since I don't have anything to talk about news wise, I feel like it's only fair now that we're not getting a good year out of 2020 to talk about the good years in movie history. Um, I, I, and most, most importantly, the, the good years that we got to witness, that I got to witness, and us as people that, um, you know, us millennials, should I say. Um, we got to experience a lot of really great years in movie history. Um Cinema has blessed us with really, really, and, and I guess circumstantially as well. Uh, obviously, you know, these movies don't know that the other one are going to release. Uh, it's just, you know, circumstances and happenstance. And, and, and sometimes we just we just get to look back at a whole year. You know, you get to the, 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 the 31st of December, you know, you're getting ready to party. Uh, Happy New Year, uh, you know, leave this shit behind and whatnot. And um, you're looking back, you know, you're looking back at the year. And you can, the, the, uh, fun story, I actually write down every single movie that I watch every year and I make lists of, uh, of it, of them. And every, uh, and at the end of the, every year, I look back at those lists. And that's what I'm saying. Like you can, you know, sometimes you look back and you're like, wow, you had a really good year. And sometimes you look back and you're like, wow, that was lacking. And, uh, and, and those years were, and the years that I want to get into were, were just fucking stacked, man. Um, I'm going to start with 1994. 1994 was such a good year for cinema. Well, first of all, it was the year of Jim Carrey. Uh, Jim Carrey released The Mask, Dumb and Dumber, and uh, Ace, De- uh, Ace Ventura, Bed Detective, the first one. He released all of those three movies in 1994. So that was his year. Um, we also got, in my opinion, one of the best movies of all time, uh, Pulp Fiction, uh, Tarantino's masterpiece, uh, you know, what more can I say about that movie? If you haven't seen Pulp Fiction, there's something wrong with you, dude. Uh, <laughs> just, you know, great, fantastic movie, arguably Tarantino's best even to this day, although I would probably uh, disagree with that. I love the movie, you know, anything Quentin releases uh, is uh, A-OK in my book and should be in yours as well. Uh, Pulp Fiction is a masterpiece by any standard um Shawshank Redemption also uh was released that year Forrest Gump 
Uh, those are two movies. Shawshank Redemption, I believe, is still the highest rated movie on IMDb today. Uh, fantastic movie with, you know, amazing performances, as everyone knows, by uh, Morgan Freeman and Tim Robbins. Uh, if you haven't seen Shawshank Redemption, what the fuck is wrong with you? Uh, Forrest Gump, same thing. Um, although that, you know, might be a bit more... Um, for Forrest Gump is very divisive. A lot of people that don't like it. Uh, a lot of people think it's cheesy and uh, rightfully so. I think it's great. But, I, you know, the music, Tom Hanks' performance, the characters. How can you not like it, man? It's like it's it's one of those classics that you cannot grow out of, if it makes any sense. Like, you know, you know those movies that you used to watch as a kid and... Um, realize as you get as you turn into an adult that those movies might not have been the best movies and as you realize that you're like but i still like those movies i feel like forrest gump is like the best movie in that category if it makes any sense think about it just 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 let it simmer in your mind uh natural born killers was also released that year so um you know, obviously, uh, Tarantino was on fire that year. Um, Speed was released. The Crow was released. True Lies. Lots of great movie. And, uh, and and when it comes to animation, I mean, The Lion King came out uh, hard, to, uh, hard to beat when it comes to Disney movies. So uh, that was a really, really, really great year for movies. Uh, 1994. Look back uh, at it. Lots of... Um, lots of movies that end up in any book or any top 250 or any top 100 list most uh, lots of them come from 1994 uh, as we move on 1999 1999 was a hell of a year as well arguably probably even better globally than 1994 uh, we got the matrix which to this day i think is still the best sci-fi movie of all time uh, there's a case that could be made for t2 uh, you know, Terminator 2, which I think is also one of the best sci-fi movies of all time. I would argue that The Matrix is better for his innovation. Probably not better, but, you know, takes the edge in the uh, in the debate, mostly for that. Uh, innovation, uh, you know, fight, awesome choreography, fight, fight scenes and whatnot. Uh, Matrix was all around uh, revolutionary, uh, no pun intended. And... Um, Matrix was released that year as well as Fight Club, which was also um, and, and is still also today one of the, David Fincher's best movie, probably his best movie. Uh, and, and, and still to this day, you know, um, influences a lot of filmmakers and a lot of, uh, of, of film uh, lovers. A lot of, you know, how many of you can say that you either know someone or you yourself has a Fight Club poster in your room, like it's or has had obviously one uh, in, in in their room. Like uh, Fight Club is a timeless movie, and almost everyone that I know likes it. Not everyone that I know loves it, to be honest with you. Um, Toy Story two also came out that year. Uh, the Iron Giant also came out that year, which is still highly underrated. Um, but but in the grand scheme of things, probably does make the year a lot uh, a lot better uh, movie-wise. Office Space came out, Election came out, uh, Galaxy Quest came out, um, Jesus, uh, Being John Malkovich came out, The Insider came out, uh, American Beauty came out. I mean, it was a hell of a year. Uh, and when it comes to horror, 
the Blair Witch Project took the world by storm. Uh, with, I mean, I'm not a big fan of that movie uh, personally, but I, I, can I can recognize how important it was to the development of horror. And today, a lot of... Uh, a, a lot of people use the found footage, uh, found footage, um, which might call it um, type of filming, type of um, approach to horror. A lot of people do it when you think about paranormal activity, uh, or uh, when you think about movies like uh, Searching, uh, which is not a horror movie by any stretch of the imagination. It's a thriller for sure, uh, but it's all through computer screens. I feel like stuff like that. Um, you know, started with the Blair Witch Project, uh, mainstream-wise. I'm, I, I mean, obviously it had been done before. I'm not, uh, I'm not, uh, you know, I, I understand that very well. I'm just saying the Blair Witch Project really, really came into the mainstream and uh, took it and took it and shook it, and whatever came out of that uh, shaking was uh, the fruits of you know, the success of that movie. So Paranormal Activity does not exist if the Blair Witch Project does not exist, in my opinion. Um, then also, uh, obviously, uh, there was The Sixth Sense, which I feel like is a lot more important in the grand scheme of things than it is not. Because first of all, uh, it's M. Night Shyamalan, Shyamalan sorry's best movie. It's definitely his best movie. Like, you cannot convince me otherwise. Don't even try. I like, I love Unbreakable. Uh, and Unbreakable is a fantastic movie. And don't get me wrong. Uh, characters are great. Uh, the story is great. And, and he really, really went... Um, he, really w he really thought outside the box for that one. But uh, I don't think any movie that Sh Shyamalan did compares the impact that it had on society and the uh, quotability and the rewatchability and you know how much you can talk about that movie to your kids and grandkids and whatnot I feel like the sixth sense takes it uh, to, for sure like honestly you you can't convince me otherwise and that's the year in 1999 is the year that sixth sense came out um, you know, so lots of important movies, lots of really, really, really uh, enormous classics that endure the test of time even today. Uh, you know, I understand that 21 years is not a lot, uh, but to some people it is. And that that year will stand will stand out as one of the best for sure for years to come. Whatever happens in the in, in the next years, that movie that year was revolutionary in a lot of ways like I said, found footage, like I said, Matrix, you know, lots of creative ways to uh, to make movies spawned uh, from 1999. And Fight Club uh, also can be uh, argued, you know, I can't, I can't even talk enough about the editing in that movie. Um, the editing in Fight Club is fucking flawless. Uh, the acting, obviously, uh, but mostly the editing. If you see, like, if, if you watch... Uh, if you if you rewatch that movie uh, and you pause at certain moments, you'll see Brad Pitt's character just appear in the background, uh, and I guess that's no surprise and that's no secret to, to fans of Fight Club. But uh, I'll I'll take I'll take it even further. You know, the, the, all the shots where you see like it starts at one floor and then it just drops down to another floor in one shot. Uh, obviously, it's all artif artificially made. I'm not uh, I'm not dumb, but uh, you know, editing like that and just fast pace and lots of you know, you know, very, very hard cuts. 
I feel like Fight Club is one of the slickestly edited movies of all time. And um, yeah, lots of lots of creative ways, lots of innovation in 1999. And I feel like that's always going to be important to look at. Uh, and then we're moving on to one of my favorite years in cinema and probably... Uh, Probably my favorite, actually, 2007. Uh, in 2007, I was still in high school. I had no clue that I would fall in love with movies the way that I did. Uh, but when I did fall in, in love with movies, I looked back at 2007 as um, probably like my standard when it comes to like years in movies. Uh, I mean, just off the bat, No Country for Old Men and There Will Be Blood came out. And those two movies, both of them can be argued uh in the you know in any top list uh, uh for example if if you come to me and you and you tell me and i ask you what your top five movies of all time are if i if you tell me either of those movies or both of those movies i mean i will just fucking drop down on my knees and like started start praising you no don't get the wrong idea you fucking pervs um I um, I think those two movies are two of the best movies of all time. No question. Um, no Country for Old Men is the Coen's the Coen Brothers' masterpiece. It's it's it, I mean it's not it, it's it's that simple, you know. Uh, and Paul Thomas Anderson uh, created his masterpiece with There Will Be Blood. There Will Be Blood. Although I would argue, even though both uh, directors. Uh, or both said, or you know, the brothers and Paul Thomas Anderson, both of them. Um, I I would argue that both of them, or all three of them, should I say, Jesus Christ, um, they've all consistently been putting out um, amazing movies. I don't think they I don't think they can do wrong. I mean, I watched what's considered Paul Thomas's uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's. Um, I watched what was considered his weakest movie recently. I watched Inherent Vice. And uh, yeah, I can tell you that movie was did not resonate or connect with me as much as I would hope it would. Although I will say uh, it didn't make me feel something. It, it made me feel like an acid trip. For real. It's, it's, it really makes you feel like you're on drugs. So in that respect, I feel like Paul Thomas Anderson... Uh, even though, um, even though sometimes will show a narrative that maybe you don't connect with, he will never cease to show you how well that he understands cinema, and he understands how making people feel a certain type of way works with cinema. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson will always be one of the best directors of all time, uh, and There Will Be Blood is uh, arguably his best movie of all time. So considering that and No Country for Old Men came out in the same year, I mean, right there you have a, you have a winner. Uh, Zodiac also came out that year, which is David Fincher's uh, most underrated movie, in my opinion. Uh, all, never fails to, uh, to amaze me every time I watch it. Uh, Gone Baby Gone also came out that year. Uh, the, assassina the Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Rob For Robert Ford also came out. So Casey Affleck had a hell of a year, which, you know, Casey Affleck is also a piece of trash. And I can't take out the trash right now because the trash man still hasn't recovered from the coronavirus. Uh, and I still cannot pay him his millions and millions of dollars. Uh, Hot Fuzz came out that year, uh, which is considered the best of that trilogy. 
the Cornetto trilogy. Um, Rat Ratatouille also came out. Uh, Juno came out. You know, Eastern Promises, uh, Into the Wild. Lo you know, we still got Spider-Man 3 that year. Uh, you know, can't be perfect. But um, Jesus Christ, what a year. Um, you can't... You can't look back at that year and um, and feel in indifferent. Honestly, uh, as a movie fan, you know, yeah, hard to uh, hard to argue against two thousand and seven. Uh, but two thousand sixteen makes a good case. Uh, yes, I know what you think. Su uh, Suicide Squad came out in two thousand sixteen, uh, but hey, here's the thing: uh, Arrival also came out in two thousand sixteen. Uh, which was Denis Villeneuve's, you know, some would say best movie. I wouldn't agree with that. But yeah, I would argue all of Denis Villeneuve's movies are excellent. Uh, and that definitely makes the list. Uh, you know, you we had uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, La La Land, come out in uh, 2016. Uh, and yeah, for those who haven't seen La La Land... Just stop whatever you're doing and watch it. It's such a great movie. I felt so messed up after that movie. I felt messed up for about three to five days. I don't remember if it was three days or five days. But it took me going back to see the movie to feel better. Maybe it had something to do with where I was at in life. I just discussed this with someone. Um, and, and um, you know, maybe it had to do with where I was mentally at that point. But... To be honest with you, that movie messed me up, man. It messed me up. And um, I suggest it to uh, anybody. It, first of all, it's a great love story. And second of all, it's just... It's one of the most gorgeous movies I've ever seen. The cinematography in that movie is... My God. Like, you know, Damien Chazelle's direction is uh, definitely something to... Uh, to behold like Damien Chazelle is one of the youngest directors in Hollywood and he's already built a hell of a resume for himself with with that and Whiplash and and First Man but when you think about uh, when you think about that movie about the about La La Land and the hero of that movie uh, there's two of them Justin Hurwitz who composed the music and Linus Sandgren who did the cinematography it, there's I don't think a movie of that uh a musical of that caliber has ever looked that good and not i don't think you know what screw that i know there hasn't been a single movie uh that, that a single musical that looks this good it's impossible um la la land came out moonlight came out which you know uh rightfully won the oscar uh with um <laughs> with, with, with with lots of controversy but you know it deserved it it was a great fantastic movie um american honey came out green room came out which is such a fucked up movie um marvel came out with a uh, captain america civil war and doctor strange um lots of uh lo lots of weird movies like the lobster uh hail caesar then uh lots of funny movies like the nice guy uh the nice guy the nice guys jesus christ uh and um you know good animation like zootopia came out that year um fuck like such it was such a good year i don't think that year gets enough credit because you don't get like a single like arrival in my in my opinion is a masterpiece and like movies like 10 cloverfield lane 
uh, will eventually go down as like cult classic. Uh, cult cla like they will go down as in the cult classic status of movies. But I, I, as much as I feel like those movies are great, I feel like none of them stand out as like one of the one of the one of cinema's masterpieces, except for Arrival, in my opinion. But like most movies are great. There, there's instead of be like you can't you can't look back at 2016 and say there's there was a lot of masterpieces. No, there, there was some masterpieces that year. There was like a masterpiece, but there was a lot of great movie of great movies. It was just a consistent year, you know. Like I don't think there was a single shitty movie that year. I mean, yeah, the, the, the Suicide Squad, but like. You th when you think about that year, you think about the abundance of. I can't remember going out that uh, to the movies that year, like almost every week, and getting, and being in and being happy about the movie that I watched. Like it was, it was a really, really strong, consistent year. And then the year after that, two thousand seventeen, really, really did a good job following up. Uh, they released, uh, you know, Get Out which really, really revolutionized horror uh, in, in, in a way uh, that people probably didn't expect it to be revolutionized. Um, that was probably one of Marvel's uh, strongest years with uh, Thor Ragnarok, which is, in my opinion, the funniest uh, Marvel movies and one of the best. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, which had a great, a great performances. Uh, and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, which is my favorite Marvel movie of all time. Uh, for personal reasons, um, Marvel, you know, released bangers after banger after banger after banger. Uh, Wolverine uh, said goodbye that year with Logan, which I feel is the best X Men movie of all time. Um, I mean, The Last Jedi was released, but that's you know, different story. We're not gonna talk about Last Jedi. Let's talk instead about Blade Runner twenty forty nine. So just one year after releasing. Uh, well, after unleashing, should I say, uh, Arrival onto the world, Denis Villeneuve went back at it and released Blade Runner 2049, which, holy shit, you know, like, you know, made Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner, really proud. And if anything, uh, was better than it's, uh, than, than, than the original. Um, Dunkirk came out, uh, which I feel was, um, like, uh, as much as I love Nolan, probably not his best movie, but even a week, even his weakest movie was a masterpiece. Like, um, war movies is, I, I, I don't get enthusiastic. I'm not enthusiastic about watching war movies a lot in the sense that I know that I'm going to see horror and a lot of shooting and a lot of, you know, back and forth. However, holy shit Dunkirk was so well made and the way that the narrative flowed from you know we're showing we're showing you because you know it was separate it was separated in three you know the sea the land and and the air uh, and then you would see people like fight war in in a cargo plane and then you'd see one not in a cargo plane but in a in a an army plane um sorry I'm you know, coronavirus, guys, and I hate to get back to it, and this is a sidebar, and uh, I'm leaving all of this shit in because, you know, no editor, you know. You know, I, I have the best editor in the world, $50 million a, a day, 
and uh, he's hit with the, with the coronavirus. So I'm just letting all of my thoughts come out of my mouth, and this is what you're hearing, guys, and this is what you're getting, and this is what you're gonna get for the foreseeable future. Uh, so let me let me drink to uh, let me drink to uh, to cheers. Cheers. Drink the cheers. Um, yeah, Dunkirk is one of the best war movies I've seen in a long, 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 long time. And uh, it, it, it's crazy how longer that movie feels compared to how long it actually is. And I'm not saying that as a... Um, I'm, uh, this is, uh, it's, it's the biggest compliment. You know, I felt like I was in the movie... I felt like I was in the movie theater for two and a half hours, but that movie's not even two hours. And, uh, and I was invested the whole time. And I, it's, it's like, it's like psych, it's like psychologically, I wanted that movie to be longer. So I felt like it was, and it's, uh, it's a fantastic movie. Uh, the Florida, the, the Florida, <laughs> the Florida, Pro the Florida, ah, Jesus Christ, the Florida project. I'm, uh, Getting in the mood, guys. The Florida Project, Phantom Thread came out. Phantom Thread is such a gorgeous, beautiful movie. Again, Paul Thomas Anderson doing a great job. Uh, th that's his la latest effort, and I can't wait to see him back um, on our screens. Well, I can't wait to see anything back on our screens because, guys, the coronavirus, uh, it's ruining a lot of stuff right now, and I feel like, you know what, I just need to... Give me a second. hard times man um hard times um yeah and one movie that that came out that year that i really forgot to talk about 2017 brought us wonder woman who um really made a splash onto our screens and into our hearts uh gal gadot is born to play that role wonder woman was a movie that i expected to find average and it crushed absolutely all of my expectations and uh yeah deserves all of the credit in the world for ushering in a new era for female superheroes and uh yes please capitalize on that please give me more of that that was awesome and i'm glad that uh this year uh we were getting we are we were whatever uh situation we're in at the, at the time that you're listening to this podcast um getting a sequel to wonder woman and we were getting black widow as well uh and we also got birds of prey at the beginning of the year so i'm happy female superheroes are getting more screen time and getting standalone movies that's awesome and um yeah 2017 good 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 year um you know ladybird i don't know if i mentioned ladybird that came out too um good time you know um jesus christ so many good um so many good movies i feel like uh the last jedi was the weakest effort that year and the war of the planet war for the planet of the apes was not my favorite either uh because you know i i found it kind of silly that a war for an entire planet got fought in boston um yeah uh, there was, you know, not, not one year is perfect, but when you look at the track record for 2017, lots of entertainment, lots of, of good movies. And I feel like in the same vein as 2016, nothing really stands out, uh, except maybe get out and, uh, Blade Runner 2049, in my opinion, 
but you'll get a lot of cult classics. You got a lot of great, amazing blockbusters. Uh, and you had a healthy blend of all genres and uh, great movies in every one of them. Uh, so 2016-2017 has really showed us that consistently cinema can deliver. Uh, 2018 was perhaps a bit weaker. Uh, 2019 was also a fantastic... 2018-2019 gave us uh, the Avengers movies, uh, the last two that are. Uh, but yeah, I, um, I feel like consistently movies have... Uh, The years have been better and uh, hopefully 2021 can bounce back uh, and give us a, um, a hopefully hopefully 2021 can redeem 2020 that's all I'm hoping for I'm not hoping for you know listen I understand the situation right now I understand that right now is not the time to be thinking about hey when's fucking dune coming to theaters hey is tenet gonna be delayed hey i'm curious as all of you are about if tenet is gonna be delayed however i understand that if it is delayed it is because we don't have a choice and i'm not going to feel bad about that if the movie that i was looking forward to the most gets delayed i'm just gonna look forward to the day that it comes out for real more And if that means that a lot of movies are going to come out either at the end of this year or a lot of movies are going to come out uh, next year, holy shit, that means we're going to get like some stacked fucking months. Okay, think about it. A lot of movies that were slated to release in 2021, perhaps were not done production. You know, had not wrapped production. So right now... Because of COVID-19, they're probably, uh, ha they've probably halted production. I know that the production on the movie, on the Batman movie, uh, I know that's halted uh, because of uh, COVID-19. So, I, I, you know, lots of movies that were slated to come out next year or this year uh, late. Uh, well, probably not this year late, but probably next year and in 2022 and, and so on. Uh, lots of movies have halted production. So we're not going to get lots of those movies. However... We're not going to get lots of those movies next year, probably. I mean, they're probably going to be delayed and, and so on and so forth. So it's probably going to like create a domino effect where um, eventually all of the movies gets pu get pushed forward. However, um, 2020, uh, okay, if you think about like Wonder Woman, if you think about like Black Widow, those movies were done. They were ready. Quiet Place Part 2, No Time to Die, uh, Tenet, Dune. Well, Dune probably, I don't know. But like a lot of movies that were slated to be released this year are ready. They're ready, fresh, ready to go. So when you think about it, by by pushing all of those movies to November and December, say we're done with this whole fucking shit by then, um, you know, we're all releasing, we're all releasing the movies in November and December, which, whoo, that's going to be awesome, man. We're going to get a lot of movies at the same time. Like, think about it. If we get, we're, we're, we're going to spend lots of time in movie theaters. Like for, for uh, you know, for people who, like myself, who have, who terribly miss it right now because it's, it's my place of comfort. Um, I'm going to be, I'm going to be able to say, Hey, I, I spent a lot of time in the movie theater and in one weekend. And uh, that's going to make winter a lot more tolerable. Uh, and I can't wait for that. So hopefully that happens. If not, and I understand, I, I know that uh, 
movies like for example fast and furious now well fast nine whatever the f9 whatever the fuck they want to call it f9 is a key on a keyboard man f9 is a fucking key on a keyboard why would you call your movie why would you name your movie after a key on a keyboard and make it about cars it's a messed up shit Messed up. That said, John Cena is in that movie. I'm quite curious to see that. Uh, John Cena has shown us uh, decent, ha- decent acting chops. And I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna turn this podcast into a Cena loving affair. Uh, but I feel like his performance in Blockers, although a bit goofy and a bit uh, over the top, was, was quite good. And I feel like he really flexed his uh, his uh, comedic muscles there. Uh, dramatic, perhaps not. Comedic, perhaps yes. Uh, and then he uh, played. Uh, then he had a small role in Bumblebee. A small role. He had a. Yeah, he was the villain for a big part of the movie. And then I'm not gonna tell you what happens to him after. Uh, suspense. Dun, dun, dun. Watch Bumblebee. It's a great movie. Um, he uh, he's gonna be in F9. He he's he's he revealed. He's been revealed as being Dominic Toretto's brother. Uh, which, you know, I, I feel is, is funny because uh, all this time he had a brother and uh, he couldn't see him. So F9 got pushed back uh, until, uh, got pushed forward until last uh, until next year, that is. I'm sorry, I'm babbling here. Uh, Quiet Place also got, uh, I believe, delayed till 2021. But a lot of movies that are being delayed right now are looking for 2020 releases still. So if you pack them all up at the end of the year, man, we're going to have a great holiday season. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I'm just, um, I guess I was just looking for a good transition. This isn't perhaps not the best, but, uh, I was talking about the holiday season and I thought to myself, Hey, Christmas trees. Hey, trees. Hey, leaves. Hey, weed. I know that my, uh, I know my editors and my technicians that I pay um, $500 million a week are not here. But, uh, and they're not here to produce. They're not here to edit my ads for my lovely sponsors. But I will shout them out anyway um, because they're great people and they're great um, sponsors. And uh, they deserve all of your business. Uh, firstly, the MTL Barber, located in Kirkland uh, on the West Island of Montreal. He will open up uh, back up May 1st if everything goes right. Uh, and if everything goes wrong, uh, probably a lot later. So uh, so stay put and uh, book now because uh, there isn't a best uh, there isn't a better barber in town. Second sponsor, Ollie Sin 9000. Uh, I'm sorry I couldn't get your beats on my podcast this week, dude. Uh, but you're doing such an amazing job and everybody deserves to know how good you are. Uh, so if you want to know and if you want to find out for yourself, you know, without listening to previous installments of this podcast, you can go to Instagram and follow his producing group, 
OTS Sounds. That's at OTS.Sounds on Instagram. Go give them a follow. Go give them a shout out. And while you're at it, go give me a shout out as well. Um, at Mr. Sir 94 on Instagram. 94 is not my year of birth. Try to figure that shit out. Uh, and I'm also on Twitter. I don't tweet a lot. I should probably get to that. Uh, at Mr. Sir Pod. 94 that's mr sir pod pod as in podcast 94 uh on twitter so uh, please give me a follow and uh, f- uh you know please give whatever love and whatever business that you can give to my uh, amazing sponsors they're making the show possible um as much as i am <laughs> so thank you moving on um I'm just going to quickly talk about um before before i move on i made a neat, a neat little top 10 list uh, for you guys again this week because obviously I, go, I I got nothing to talk about and I know that I was going to prepare a list for you guys for four movies uh, I did not have time to do that because I really wanted to uh, well first of all I've started a new job like I said so it's it's really hard for me right now uh, I am considered an essential worker I work for a financial uh, financial institution so I still have to show up to work uh, so it's, it's a bit hard for me right now to uh, to, to, to work on this uh, however um I promise you I will come up with four movies to watch for next week and you guys can do your homework and then we can get the ball rolling. I really just wanted to, um, to I, I really wanted to plan this better. I wanted to take my time and, and deliver. Uh, so yes, I will uh, give you suggestions and we can watch movies together and I will talk to uh, talk about them next week uh, to you guys. But I will just mention real quick, uh, I watched... Um, didn't watch a lot of movies this week. However, I did watch uh, The Platform on Netflix. And uh, I, I thought that was a really fun movie. <laughs> fun in the, uh, m- you know, most ironic sense of the word. Um, it, was not a f- it, was not, it wasn't a pleasant movie by any stretch of the imagination. It was a very painful movie to watch. Um, but it was very well made. However, I think that the ending um, made me a bit, uh, over, uh, underwhelmed me a bit. Um you know, if you're okay with not getting answers, I'm not sure if I am taking this from someone and if I'm plagiarizing this from someone. Because I, I, I might have heard this from, uh, I, listened, I, I listened to a podcast named Real Blend, which if you guys don't listen to it and I'm giving, you, I'm giving them a shout out and they don't even know it. But the, it's such a great, phenomenal podcast. It's three guys just shooting the shit about movies. Um, I listen to their podcast a lot and I, and I believe... Uh, I believe it's one. I believe it's uh, one of the one of the three guys on that podcast that that said about the platform that it was. Uh, that I I think he's the one who said that it's if you're okay not getting answers, you would love that movie because honestly, it leaves a lot of questions unanswered. Um, I myself like saw the movie end and I was like, well, shit, this is it. Like you know, I felt like, I I felt like there was still a lot uh, left to unpack. Uh, so if you're okay with movies that leave you on your appetite, leave you wanting more, uh, you'll love this. It's, it, it, you know, it's one, of the, it's one of those good movies in that category. However, I have issues with not getting answers sometimes, so uh, I, I felt a bit angry. Uh, however, it's a great movie. Watch it. It's a fun one, and it's, the, the, the premise of it is, uh, is quite interesting. Uh, and Lord knows you have nothing to do right now, so uh, hey, you know, Netflix! You haven't finished Netflix yet. You can't convince me otherwise. Now, top 10 list, uh, before we wrap this shit up and um, conclude this train wreck that is this episode, uh, and, th- and that is next, uh, next week's probably, and 
and the week after that, you know, I've, I've, adop- I've adopted this concept, guys, where I just get fucked up progressively uh, as, as this podcast uh, rolls on. Uh, and I'm going to do this until the coronavirus outbreaks uh, outbreak ends. And it's not a gimmick. I promise you it's not a gimmick. This is myself. I'm just saying I'm doing this because... I'm doing this because I have nothing to talk about news-wise. No box office, no movies, nothing. And uh, I don't want my love for movies or my me transmitting my love to movies to my love for movies to others uh, i don't want that to stop man uh listen i have I, i'm a curious person i like learning and i like to, to to see some shit and to hear some shit and um and to just you know learn some shit i like to learn and i like to see and i like to uh, you know um add to my repertoire of uh, knowledge and, and especially you know i'm obsessed with movies so i like to watch movies i like to see movies that i haven't seen and and discover that's why i made this podcast so you guys could you know come onto this journey with me um you know so i can still do that and i recognize that i can still show you my passion for movies and hopefully give it to you through movies that have already been released I have a watch list of 5,000 movies. There's 5,000 movies on my list that I I have yet to watch. Uh, Granted, a lot of, probably a lot of you guys and and some probably listen to this podcast uh, have watched more movies than I have. Do you guys know more about the process of making a movie? Perhaps, yes, perhaps not. I've studied cinema and CJEP to some degree i've studied filmmaking so i have you know a bit of knowledge towards that but i have not seen a lot of movies so i am still able to i'm still able to to do that i'm still able to watch movies that are already out so that's what i'm gonna do by god and that's what i'm doing on this podcast and that's what you're gonna do too because if you listen to this podcast uh you you you're probably bored first of all uh, and second of all you are probably uh in love with uh with, with cinema as much as i am so um yeah join me in my uh, virtual movie club and watch the movies that i watch uh, and uh, discuss them with me next week i will put them on my instagram uh, again at mr 94 so follow me there and i will put suggestions uh for movies uh that i will talk about next week now moving on uh, I feel like we all need, uh, right now, I feel like a lot of people are sad. God knows I'm sad and, uh, gonna drink to that. Hard times. Um, a lot of us are sad. A lot of us are depressed. A lot of us are paranoid about what's going on right now. Lots of us are scared. Um... And that's completely understandable. We live in... Right now, we're living in uncertainty, but I don't think... And and, and I think something somebody can, uh, you know, come to my Instagram, come to my Twitter and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think anybody that has ever listened to a minute of this podcast has ever gone through something like we're going through right now ever 
um it's it's quite a unique and weird and destabilizing situation and getting depressed getting sad is it's very easy it's very easy to get um it's very easy to um get back into you know like plunge back into your dark thoughts it's very easy to uh keep you know your your sanity uh i myself am talking with uh, i i myself am someone who you know struggles with anxiety and and stuff i'm not gonna make a case for myself obviously i'm not in that like you know i'm not a don't pity me is what i'm saying i'm doing great i'm just saying you know it's very easy when everything is dark and everything is shitty around you to uh, feel shitty yourself. So I'm here. Um, and this is a top 10 that was suggested by someone who uh, I appreciate a lot. Um, I'm going to do a top 10 comedies because I think everybody right now needs a laugh. Everybody needs to smile. And as much as we want to say everything is going to be okay, the truth is, when will it be okay? And if it is, how, how will we resume with our normal lives? How will we go back to normal? Is normal ever going to be normal again? Uncertainty. We live in uncertainty, guys. So, uh... You know, as someone who has no fucking clue how this ends. As someone who has no fucking clue how how this affects our future. You know, years beyond. Um, I'm going to do my small part and trying to suggest movies that will probably put a smile on your face. Um, and, 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 and I'm not going to go on off. I'm not going to go off on a tangent here. I guess I am because I'm, like I said, progressively getting fucked up on this podcast. However, um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna quickly plug that, uh, if you're, if you're feeling alone or depressed, um, reach out to someone, man, uh, you know, uh, man or woman, um, just don't be scared to ask for help. It's not, it's not, um, asking for help is not being weak. And I feel like a lot of people confuse those things. I feel like when uh, I feel like a lot of people think asking for someone to help them makes them unable or quote unquote unable to handle shit themselves. You know what? It takes a real man and it takes a real woman to admit to themselves that they need help. And um, be be that person and ask for help and don't be scared and. We're all going to get through this together. And when we say together, self-isolation and, um, you know, social distancing or whatever you want to fucking call it. Social distancing is the wrong expression for it. What we should call it is physical distancing, uh, social uh, communion, social outreach, social 
um, community, social, social. You know, um, it's important to remain social and to remain available to people who perhaps are having harder times um, staying by themselves. So uh, shout out to those people and don't be scared to ask for help. Asking for help is the most human thing that you can do and the bravest thing that you can do. And never forget about that. Uh, so I just really wanted to get that off my chest as someone who uh, has had to ask for help before. Uh, and, and, and I know this is a movie podcast and not a motiv motivational podcast, but um, I just really wanted to, to say that. Now, top 10 comedies, by God. Now, you guys... Um, You, you guys can start smiling again. First of all, this, this, is, the, this is the moment where the podcast uh, starts being fun again. Uh, so top 10 comedies. Obviously, uh, I went very subjectively in this list because I feel like with comedies and with everything in life, uh, art-wise, I feel like everything is subjective. You know, uh, lots of people say Citizen Kane is the best movie of all time. I hate that movie. I really, really despise Citizen Kane. Uh, great movie, sh you know, shot beautifully, technically perfect and sound, uh, but it's boring as hell, you know, so it's all subjective. It's really all subjective. Art is subjective. So this is my personal top 10 uh, that I've crafted from my taste in comedy movies. I'm just going to give a quick shout out to um, some honorable mentions on that list, starting with Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire is um, Robin Williams' comedy classic. It cannot be un understated how great that movie was, how important that movie was, and how um, seminal that movie was in Robin Williams' um, legacy. So, um, Mrs. Doubtfire, a great movie. Other movie in my uh, honorable mention, Step Brothers. Step Brothers with Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. Classic stuff. Um, you know, endlessly quotable, um, endlessly rewatchable. Step Brothers. Great, great movie. Uh, scary movie franchise. Um, probably, you know, with the, the exception of the you know latest or later ones. Uh, the scary movie franchise really revolutionized the st satirical comedy um, aspect of the game. Uh, so the scary movie franchise definitely deserves uh, some props here. The 40-Year-Old Virgin, other great, great, great movie. Uh, again, endlessly quotable. And um, hey, funny uh, funny thing, that scene. You know, a lot of people say that uh, Steve Carell improvised that scene where he got... Uh, Where, uh, where he got um, waxed. That's not true. Seth Rogen actually wrote those lines that he said, you know, ah, Kelly Clarkson. Like that whole line was written by Seth Rogen in Extremis. Uh, so fun thing. Steve Carell did not uh, improvise those lines. Uh, that's all a myth. And the 40-year-old virgin was, I think, the start of the uh, Seth Rogen, Judd Apatow type comedy. That's when it really, really started Uh, to blossom. Zoolander, other honorable mention, you know, uh, revolutionary in its own right. And um, uh, again, cannot be understated how um, influ how influential that movie was. Ben Stiller is a great character and is a great director. 
uh, and has created a really, really, really fun male, male model character in Zoolander and lots of fun antagonists and protagonists uh, with the movie as a whole. Um, uh, you know, let's not talk about the sequel. Let's just not. That's, that I feel the sequel makes that movie, makes the first one an honorable mention. Let's just put it that way. Uh, on other movies in my uh, honorable mention list, Pineapple Express, uh, fucking amazing, fun stoner comedy with Seth Rogen, James Franco, lots of uh, lots of really funny moments, uh, and uh, legendary for you know perhaps putting back the stoner comedy into the mainstream. And last but not least in the honorable mention, School of Rock, which uh, will always have a place in my heart uh, for Jack Black's. Uh, you know, endearing performance as uh, the um, crazy, crazy Dewey Finn and uh, the students, you know, all of the kids in that movie played an amazing, they, they all did an amazing job. So uh, School of Rock, always in my heart, uh, an honorable mention on that list. Now, moving on, top 10 comedies. Let's make this quick because I know you guys are probably um, in a rush. You know, you probably have better things oh no wait you don't you're stuck at home uh all right top 10 comedies uh number 10 bridesmaids uh for the sheer uneasiness that uh, some scenes bring uh for the cringe for the um fantastic performance uh from melissa mccarthy from you know kristen wiggs speech at uh the rehearsal dinner like everything uh, such a great movie and, and, and a comedy that really attacked you uh, in a different way. It was it was it really came at you in a totally, totally different way. Uh, respect to Paul Feig for that one. Number nine, Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. Uh, when we talk about quotable movies, when we talk about uh, classic characters, Anchorman always comes to always comes to mind. First of all, uh, the cast in that movie, for the, the, the news cast, you know, Paul Rudd, Steve Carell, um, you know, uh, David Cogner and, um, and Will Ferrell, all four of them together are just, they play off of each other like fucking, you know, like, I mean, they play off of each other, I don't know, off, like, what's a good comparison for that? I would put you on hold, but I can because the editors that I pay a uh, hundred trillion dollars a week are are hit with the coronavirus, so they can't be here this week. Uh, but yeah, they play off of each other like a perfect orchestra. And uh, yeah, I guess that's a good one. And when you think about uh, when you think about Will Ferrell in that movie, when you think about Ron Burgundy, he still uh, comes out. Dress. He he still comes out as Ron Burgundy sometimes on talk shows to this day, so uh, that speaks volumes about uh, the endurance and the uh, legacy of that character. Uh, that's why it deserves a spot in my top ten, uh, and specifically number nine. Now number eight. Going moving on to another iconic character in um, in comedy. I'm talking Borat. Borat is my number eight. It's it's a laugh out loud movie. I mean, if you're if you're a uh, if you're someone who doesn't like uh, if you're offended by you know nudity or uh, offensive language or 
you know, if, if you're one to uh, not like the crude type comedy, don't watch it. But if you are, oh, if you're open, oh my fucking God. That movie is quite possibly the best um, mockumentary that's ever been put on big screen on a big screen it is so good sasha baron cohen really really created uh an icon with borat and as good as his uh, next efforts were uh i i mean i bruno was okay uh but and i'm not saying this and you know obviously i'm not i'm not a homophobe or anything i'm just saying bruno was okay uh the dictator was fucking hilarious Uh, but uh, I think I think I think it's the general consensus that Borat is the best um, is the best Sasha Baron Cohen movie uh, that that there is. Uh, and to this day, you know who hasn't tried you know to speak like Borat? You know, uh, this is my wife. Very nice. I like how much <laughs> you know shit like that. You know who hasn't tried that? And who hasn't, you know, talked about the scene where he fights naked with, uh, with his associate? You know, everybody talks about it. So that's my number eight. Borat, my number eight. And uh, I'm really happy about it. Now, number seven, Knocked Up. Uh, I feel like I really had to slide in an underrated comedy in there. One that people don't really talk about. Uh, Knocked Up is a Judd Apatow comedy with Seth Rogen and Katherine Heigl. Uh, and it's about a frat boy or a... Um, stoner i guess one that doesn't really have much responsibility he has a one night stand with a uh really serious woman that does a um, that works in um and she's an entertainment journalist she does junkets and shit uh and he gets her you know knocked up uh and then they have to deal with the consequences of that and that's a movie that was very early in Seth Rogen's career. It was also very early in Jonah Hill's career, um, in uh, Jay Baruchel's career, in Jason Segel's career. All of the actors that you see in that movie are actors that you really like right now, but that's where they started. It really, um, they really, they're really young in that movie. Uh, Catherine Heigl, who has gone on record saying she hates that movie, uh, does a really good job as... Uh, As, as the main character there and Seth Rogen uh, as always is very endearing um, great movie for everybody great it's a great introduction to that genre of comedy uh, that eventually blossomed into um, the main genre of comedy uh, but Knocked Up is a nice little introduction and Judd Apatow um, really he, I know he wanted to make something more serious with that movie because he had been doing a lot of Uh, stupid shit for a while so he really wanted to do something more grounded uh and it is uh, as funny as it is grounded uh and that's the best compliment that i can give to that movie knocked up is one of my favorite comedies of all time uh and you should definitely watch it now moving on to number six wedding crashers uh whoever who else whoever hasn't seen wedding crashers is um missing out uh, for, to say the least wedding crashers is one of those movies That gets you laughing, uh, and and you never stop. It just never lets you have a breather. It's um, me being not a, you know, I'm not a crazy big Vince Vaughn fan, uh, and Owen Wilson is, you know, he's all right, but 
the combination of the two and how they play off of each other, that movie is the exception to the rule for me. I will watch that movie once a year, no problem. Um, it is, you know, kind of, not kind of, it is vulgar, uh, it is very crude, um, but it is laugh out loud the whole entire time. That's where Bradley Cooper got his start. You will see Bradley Cooper in that movie and you'll be like, holy shit, he's so young. He was. He was insanely young in that movie and very, very, um, not very, not only young in age, but also very young in the industry. Uh, and it's very fun to see. Uh, Christopher Walken is also in that movie. You can't go wrong with, uh, with Chris Walken ever. Uh, a legend in the industry. Uh, Owen Wilson and uh, Vince Vaughn do a really good job. Isla Fisher and Rachel McAdams are in that movie. Uh, two actresses that I uh, think deserve a lot more praise. Rachel McAdams especially, I think, is... She, she, she's one of the best out there. Um, you've got a great cast. You've got a really great chemistry with everybody. And you've got great jokes the whole time. So Wedding Crashers, definitely one of my picks. Uh, as one of my favorite comedies ever. Moving on to number five, The Hangover. Uh, and I'm speaking The Hangover probably not as a trilogy, but uh, I'm, I'm putting there Hangover 1 and Hangover 2. Uh, a lot of people will shit on uh, Hangover 2 for being a repeat of the first one. Yes, I agree. It is a repeat of the first one. However, it's funny as shit. And, uh, you know, so many great gags. Uh, you know... Oh my god, obviously there's the, the famous transvestite one, uh, which is, you know, hilarious. Um, so many, but so many great jokes, you know, the monkey, uh, you know, chow being in the freezer. I felt like the whole thing, you know, I just, if anything, it was just a laughing fest. But if we go back to the first one, first one was really out there, man. The first one was uh simply a type of comedy not a type of comedy but it was a um it was a fresh premise i feel like a lot of uh, movies nowadays and i feel like even back in the day like hangover was released in what 2009 i feel like even back in the days uh it was hard to it was hard you were hard pressed to find a, a plot as as a as a filmmaker in hollywood you were hard pressed to find a plot or a script uh, that was, you know, uh, that, that that didn't resemble something else that had been done before. I feel like everything has already pretty much been done and we're pretty much like circling around, uh, you know, uh, circle jerking around is what I'm saying. Sorry, I dropped something here. Uh, I'm not in my studio, you know, hundred trillion dollars. Hard to come by. Um, and... I feel like the hangover, so I feel like everything has been done before and I feel like the hangover really came in and offered a fresh, a fresh, you know, um, idea for comedy. And, um, I guess because of that, it's okay to forgive the second one doing the same as the first one. If you, if you catch my drift, like they had created such a phenomenon with the first one, uh, the first one, by the way, talking about it, I think, um, 
I I I think uh, script wise and I think story wise it's uh it, it's up there. Like it's a really really great concept and it plays out really well and the way that they discover how <laughs> where Doug is at the end uh is um you know it's like well shit you should have thought about it first but at the same time you are still very grateful and you don't feel like you've gone through this whole journey for nothing. And a lot of comedies offer that and man, this does not. It's worth the whole trip and the, and the ending is just epic. The, the beginning obviously is epic as well. But the whole middle is, you know, it's the hardest part to pull off in a movie and The Hangover pulls it off extremely well. The way that they crescendo at the end is just, it's it's one of those comedies that also can be made you can also make an argument for the hangover being a really good movie as well and uh, narratively speaking i'm saying and uh, that's why the hangover deserves a spot on my top 10 moving on uh, and this is i guess the part where uh, i have a very distinct top four for my comedies so uh, this is the part that becomes very subjective and a lot of you guys are probably going to be like, well, what the fuck? Why would you put those movies in front of the movies that you said? And I and my answer to you is it's subjective. I've told you this is just my opinion. Now, number four, Ted. Ted one, Ted two to me are just some of my favorite movies. And a lot of people that like Ted one shit on Ted two. I think Ted 2 is arguably as funny, if not funnier, than Ted 1. And Ted 1 has the best story out of the two. First of all, I think... Uh, well, sorry. Uh, first of all, I think Seth MacFarlane bringing his brand of comedy to cinema was long overdue. Uh, and I feel like it translated really well with uh, Ted. The first experience that he did was the first Ted. And I feel like it really worked well. Um... You know, the jokes landed well. The whole premise was uh, was funny. It was uh, something we hadn't seen before. And the casting of Mark Wahlberg and uh, obviously Seth MacFarlane as, uh, as Ted was, uh, was phenomenal. They had really good chemistry. They, you know, the jokes really flowed well and the whole running gags with Flash Gordon and whatnot. And the whole story about friendship, you know, and about, uh, you know... Bros before hoes, I guess, is a is uh, is a message of not a message, but it's it, it's 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 a it's a theme in that movie, you know. Uh, and you know the whole, you know, accepting, probably maybe not accepting, but balancing your love life with your social life. Uh, I feel like that movie really dives into that subject. Um, better than a lot of people give it credit for and uh the second one albeit you know very dumb narratively uh is you know its counterpart in that hey you like the jokes in ted one we gave you a really sentimental movie in ted one but you like the jokes in ted one hey we're gonna give you more of that we're gonna give you more family guy seth mcfarland and uh, you know what I was not angry. I think Ted 2 is fucking hysterical. Uh, and Ted 1 is just a really fun 
fun fun little good movie and the jokes and the characters connected with me in a way that i did not expect them or that i was hoping coming into the movie but i definitely did not expect uh so that's why they deserve a spot on my top 10 moving on to number three 21 and 22 jump street um i have a soft spot for that movie because uh, i think the chemistry because uh, the chemistry between sorry jonah hill and channing tatum is off the charts amazing and I think it'd be made a case for one of the best out there. Um, second of all, I think it deserves credit for taking a franchise that was completely dead, no one gave a shit for, uh, and reviving it in a way that probably nobody expected. I know I didn't. Uh, third, thirdly, I think um, everyone is casted perfectly in that in those movies. Nick Offerman as the chief police, Ice Cube as the the the, the squad leader, um, from top to bottom, you know Brie Larson in the first one, um, Dave Franco obviously, everyone in that movie just plays their character perfectly, and uh, and, and and fourth of all, okay, um, twenty two Jump Street has one of my if not my favorite comedic scene of all time in the scene where ice cube finds out that jonah hill's character is sleeping with his daughter at the parent teacher reunion or parent whatever reunion at their school that scene afterwards where they're having dinner at the buffet Starting from the moment where they're staring at each other at the table to the moment where Ice Cube loses it at the kitchen. I feel like that scene is probably one of the best comedic scenes of all time. Fight me on that. Can you hear my... Yeah, you can hear my roommates coughing in the back. We smoke weed in this, in this apartment. Uh, yeah, I think 22 Jump Street is one of that, that scene in 22 Jump Street. I'm sorry, is one of the best scenes in the comedy that's ever happened in the history of cinema. And go back and look at it, type in Ice Cube buffet scene on YouTube. And I've watched it about 150 to 100 times, and I never failed to laugh my ass off. And that's why those movies deserve a spot on my top 10. Now, number two, and this is very, very personal. This is the end. I think this is the end is one of the best comedies of all time, partly because uh, I really connect with that type of comedy, but also, and this is a big part of me, uh, I used to make mini movies with my cousins. Uh, my cousins are, are from New York, and uh, they would visit like about once or twice a year. And whenever they would visit, they would bring their video camera and we would set up these stupid fucking stories and we would, um, and we would discuss them. Uh, uh, we, well, not, what the fuck? We wouldn't, dis well, we would discuss the plot and we would kind of like improvise uh, everything after. Or we would like give each other pointers. That's like, okay, we got to say this and this and this. It's kind of like wrestling. It's like you're calling spots at the beginning of the match, but while you're doing it 
uh, you're improvising. So we would like do these stupid stories. We like did a Pirates of the Caribbean parody. We did a Final Destination parody. We did a Lord of, uh, Lord of the Rings parody. Uh, we did some original stories like, you know, Bob the Builder is assassinating the U.S. president. Like shit like that. And look, I'm not going to get into my personal life, but I feel like this is the end is the closest thing to what my cousins and I have done in the sense that it's just a bunch of friends getting together and making a dumb fucking movie. And there's something so endearing to me about that. And I've always looked at that movie as, um, as, as that, you know, as the type of movie that we would make, you know? So, in that regard, I've always appreciated that movie in a way, and, and and that comes and that can that come that brings me back to whatever I was saying earlier about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. I'm sorry, I'm stuttering so much, but I I'm having a hard time formulating my thoughts at this point of the podcast. But yeah, I'm I said earlier that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two is my favorite Marvel movie ever, and it's probably not anybody else's mar- favorite Marvel movie ever, but it's very personal because there's a story. Uh, about fathers and stepfathers there's a story about uh f- you know friends seeing each other as assholes uh but deep down they're just really uh you know hurt um you know there, there's lots of lessons that movie i remember seeing that movie with two other people and all three of us coming out with different lessons uh life lessons or you know uh different reasons why we cried or, or felt something so you know it, it and it takes me back to saying you know Art is subjective. Cinema is subjective. Whenever I give my top 10s here, it's always my opinion. Because movies affect us in different ways. Art affects us in different ways. You can both... You can take your best friend. You can take your... You know... You have your wife. You've been married for 50 years. You take that person to friends. I mean, not right now. Don't do shit right now. Stay home. But you take... Any time of the year, you take your you take your favorite you take your significant other or you take the person that you think has the closest personality to you. You take them to uh, Paris. You take them to the Louvre, uh, and you show them the Mona Lisa. I shit you not. You and that person, however, how it doesn't matter how close in personalities and it doesn't matter how much you think that's that person is the fucking mirror image of you you will not be affected the same way as that person in front of the mona lisa and it's the same way about movies so you know that's why people that's that's why there's no right or wrong answer to what's your favorite movie and this is the end is one of my favorite movies for that reason because it's very personal obviously it's very funny but this is the end is legitimately one of my f- top 10 favorite movies of all time because that's how i feel about that movie so that's why and obviously because it is funny and because it's you know definitely definitely different um that's why it deserves a spot in my top 10 specifically number two uh and number one um i feel like it's obvious at this point you guys have not heard me talk about it uh, and if you guys haven't uh, connected the dots, you will in a couple seconds. My number one is super bad. 
Uh, it's very obvious. Super bad revolutionized comedy. Uh, Seth Rogen wrote that script with uh, his uh, writing partner, Evan Goldberg. They wrote that script. They started writing. Uh, they started working on it while they were, I believe, in middle school and high school. And um, these bastards fucking revolutionized comedy. The uh, dialogue in that movie is written in a way that had not been seen in comedies before. And that's been, trying to, that, that's been replicated many times after. Um, the characters, the, the nerds in high school, uh, the, 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 the realness of, you know, how, how they grew up through that whole, you know, through that, through, through that whole process of, you know, how, what high school is and how they, uh, how, they, how they perceive and how they handle finishing high school and moving on to, uh greener pastures or shittier pastures whatever is there 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 yes there is an an incredibly humorous side to that movie but there's also i would argue an equally if not bigger human side to that movie uh and and, and i feel like that and realistic side human and realistic side i feel like that movie is as fucking funny as it is grounded in reality and uh, as far-fetched as it is, um, you know, making us feel stuff that we will eventually or we'd already feel in our lives in a way that we don't usually experience in movies. Uh, I think Superbad is the quintessential, uh, well, obviously 21st century movie, uh, comedy, uh, which all, the, all those are. Uh, for the, for except for certain exceptions, um, but super bad in my opinion is the quintessential comedy, uh, is the pioneering of that genre of comedy and is most definitely the best comedy I have ever seen, and that is why it is number one on my top 10 so i have bothered you enough thank you so much for uh listening to my rambling and thank you so much for uh listening to me talk to you guys in whatever state i am about my love for movies and transmit you uh, and let me hopefully transmit you not the covid19 but uh movie fever and uh you can take a look at my instagram i'm gonna post the next four movies and i swear i'm not lying about this Tomorrow I'm posting. I'm making a post about the two uh, about the four movies that I will uh, watch this week uh, and talk about next week. Uh, and uh, hopefully you stay tuned on that. And hopefully you come back next week to discuss these. Uh, well, to hear me discuss these movies and compare notes with you. And hopefully you've enjoyed this podcast. Hopefully you uh, have been entertained with me uh, trying to put something forward for you, even though the circumstances are extenuous and very um very very grim i guess very grim and very somber and very incapacitating in the sense that there's not much to talk about except you know when the fuck are these movie theaters gonna open again and um you know, the answer is, I don't know. So there's not much to elaborate on that. So thank you for listening to me rambling about movies uh, that you have or have not already seen that have already come out. So I'm hoping to keep the ball rolling. I'm hoping to, uh, I'm hoping to keep you guys entertained and I'm hoping to keep you guys um, 
to watch movies during this quarantine because that's the best way to spend your time, goddammit. And I will uh, take that opinion with me in my deathbed and in my coffin. Uh, so uh, without being any more grim and without <laughs> any more negative talking about death and talking about COVID-19 and all that stuff, I'm going to let all of you guys go. So thank you for listening to this rambling. Thank you so much for uh, appreciating this unedited podcast. And until next time, my friends, keep safe, wash your hands, keep uh, distance uh, two meters. And uh, until next time.